Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, Jessica Burbank, TYT contributor and all around remarkable individual. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, Donald Trump, former president, has admitted he did in fact break the law. Also, he admitted again he broke the law but blamed Mike Pence. And yes, there's more. So let me start with his admission of guilt. Former President Donald Trump could be facing criminal indictment. We talked about this last week over hush money that he paid to adult film star Stormy Daniels. This was a big deal during the campaign. Trump insisted this week that the ordeal was an, and I quote, extortion plot. And nothing more than sick fake news. The claim that he was being extorted by Daniels is an admission of guilt, said former FBI general counsel Andrew Wiseman. This was on Twitter Tuesday. So let's count the ways here. Donald Trump under investigation by a federal grand jury. Donald Trump under investigation by New York. Donald Trump under investigation by Fulton County, Georgia, Manhattan. What was the admission of guilt? Well, when he says this was an extortion scheme, that's exactly the theory of the prosecutor, that it was in fact extortion. So he paid off an individual so that they would not tell the truth about him. This was a benefit to his campaign. Signatures are affixed. Michael Cohen, his former attorney, said this is actually such a slam dunk case. It is unavoidable for him to be not to be indicted. When pressed about what role he has played in his testimony or perhaps investigation cooperation, Michael Cohen, mom's the word. There's more. In the second time this week, Okay, Trump has been accused of confessing to crimes. Speaking to MSNBC, the Lincoln Project's Tara Setmayer said that in his attack on Vice President Mike Pence, Trump claimed that if his vice president only broke the law, the attack on the Capitol would not have happened. So let's go to the blaming of Mike Pence. So Donald Trump further widened the breach between him and the former VP by faulting him for the violence on January 6, 2021. Because he refused to possibly illegal or the illegal demand that he overturned Trump's loss in the 2020 election. And there's no possible, it was illegal. It was an illegal request, it would have been an illegal action. In many ways, Trump says, you can blame him being Mike Pence. For January 6th, Trump told supporters Monday aboard his private plane en route to a campaign event in Iowa, according to the Washington Post. So Donald Trump is basically saying what happened on January 6th was illegal. What happened on January 6th was attributable to a person. But he's saying the person is Mike Pence, not himself. Fascinating. And Donald Trump under another 
investigation, Russian money. Let's go to it. Trump Media, one of the almost failed companies of Trump, which owns Truth Social. First came under investigation by federal authorities in New York over its potential merger with the blank check company Digital World. And prosecutors started looking at two loans totaling $8 million wired through the Caribbean to Trump Media from two, count them, two Kremlin linked entities, according to The Guardian. There's more. The first $2 million payment came when Trump Media was on the brink of collapse. In December of 2021, when the merger was delayed by the Securities and Exchange Commission inquiry. But Digital World's chief executive, Patrick Orlando, got the loan wired from Paxum Bank, registered in Dominica. That's according to financial records obtained by the newspaper. Now, the wire transfer identified Paxum Bank as the beneficial owner. Although the promissory note identified an entity called ES Family Trust, remember that name. They are identified as the lender. The Guardian reported this two months later, an unexpected second $6 million payment arrived. This is according to Trump Media co-founder turned whistleblower, Will Wilkerson, and an individual named Angel Pacheco appears to have at the same time been a trustee of the ES Family Trust and a director of Paxum Bank. Uh, these are financial no-no, okay? Looks to be a pass-through, a workaround, a biased transaction, unlawful relationship in financial terms. Another investigation loom over Donald Trump. As I said before, Trump will be a defendant for the rest of his life, no matter what. But all of these investigations, all of these local and federal investigations happening at the same time against one individual who we all know has broken the law prior to being president, while being president, and post his presidency. Now, at some point, we're going to have to put up a shut up. Either a person is above the law or they are not. Either we live in a democracy or we do not. Let's stop playing the game. Powerful protect the powerful. It's not just Republicans versus Democrats. Things are much more complex than that. Trump is still leading in the Republican polling for president. All right, my dear sister, thoughts? Yes, on the Stormy Daniels front, if there's nothing there and it's a baseless accusation, it's fake news, why would you pay someone to be quiet? If there's only accusations being made, then the damage was already done once the accusations were made. And you actually have a defamation case. It's pretty clear he's just admitted guilt on that front. And then with Mike Pence in January 6, Donald Trump's argument is, well, when I asked Mike Pence to break the law, he didn't. So I had to. 
He's got a really sloppy relationship with the law. And on the front of Russia, he's basically inviting foreign influence into the United States political process. You don't get millions of dollars from a foreign entity or from anyone, as a matter of fact, without them expecting something in return, either immediately or somewhere down the line. So despite him being extremely sloppy, you know, it's still hard for the law to catch up with rich people in the United States. But finally, he hasn't been able to make his problems go away as fast as he's created new ones. And so finally, the law is matching his pace there. We shall see if it continues. We will follow and update as it develops. An exclusive update to a story we broke just a few weeks ago. Let me remind you of the video, here it is. There's now an update and more video. Before I go to the rest of the video, let's put up the picture of Mr. Anthony Franklin. You see, his family has now filed a lawsuit. This is an update to a story about the police who shot and killed a 31-year-old black man after he fell to the ground. He appeared to be trying to get up on January 15th in Austin, Texas. In this yet unreported video, after Franklin falls off a marble railing, he curls into a fetal position and is shot by the police. Next in a video that has not yet been reported on, Franklin can be seen throwing a gun into the gutter. He was unarmed, here's the video, okay, but very closely. Now, remember at the heart of this case, the question was, did he pose a threat at the time he was killed by the police? Clearly, the video shows he did not pose imminent danger to the officers. This is the first time this video has been shown, period. There's more, the officer kept their guns drawn on this bleeding individual. He was dying right in front of them. He was surrendered, he was on the ground. Once again, here is the picture of Mr. Anthony Franklin. <clears throat> the attorney for Mr. Franklin, the attorney for the Franklin family, 
spoke directly to Indisputable. Here's Attorney Harry Daniels. There, there was no reaching. There was no indication of uh, you know firearms being used. There's no. Uh, and, and if you look at what listen to one of the radio now radio communication, the cops saying I'm taking incoming shots. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't. He was shooting. <laughs> we live in a country of laws, and at the end of the day, cop can be judged or excuse at the time that Mister Franklin was shot and killed. It posed no immediate threat to law enforcement or the public. So therefore, it's, unju- it's unjustified. If we if we do not bring Mr. Franklin's story to light, if we do not pursue justice for it, the, the unlawful killing, Mr. Franklin, guess what? People who have not, people like you have more cases like Tyree Knuckles. Because now, if the police can shoot you, regardless of what you've been accused of, then... Why, why, why we need a court system for You can't be judged during execution. That's why we have a rule of law. That's why we have due process. That's why we have criminal courts. That's why we have criminal proceedings. Your job as law enforcement is to apprehend a suspect and bring him before the judicial officer, the court of law, to answer for the crimes. This is why we have a constitution. And as I have said many times before, just because you may deserve to see a judge, It does not mean you deserve to see your maker. Cops are not judge, jury, and executioner. How did this get past many of you? There's a reason why many of you are unaware of this story. The Austin Police Department decided to release the body camera footage of this killing. At the same exact time, the video was released of the killing of Tyree Nichols. They did it to hide their issue of criminality in the fold of the world paying attention to another criminal mob. There's more, there's an excerpt from the Austin Police Department. The statement says, and I quote, the officers told Mr. Franklin, do not move. And he complied with those commands. Once officers gained compliance from Mr. Franklin, the officers approached Mr. Franklin, even though the gun was still within close proximity of Mr. Franklin. The officers secured Mr. Franklin and searched him for additional weapons. The officers immediately began life-saving measures. Hmm. Now Franklin family's attorney, they have filed a lawsuit complaining that the police had no right to shoot and that he was running away from the defendants. The Franklin family attorney, Harry M. Daniels noted one of the officers asked another officer whether Franklin was reaching for his gun. Daniels said the police should never have fired if they were unsure of an imminent threat. That is absolutely correct. Let me show you the attorneys representing the family. Harry Daniels, Bakari Sellers, and Nathaniel Mack, all good friends. A representative of the attorney said media, they have not pointed out Franklin threw his gun away from him while guns were still drawn at the prone suspect on the ground. Here are Franklin's three daughters. Please understand when things like this happen, you don't simply kill a person. You kill hope, you kill relationship, you kill guidance, you kill mentorship. Daniel spoke to Indisputable. He played a part in his daughter's lives, he said. It doesn't matter how old you are, when you lose a child, it's still your baby. A GoFundMe link has been set up for the Franklin family. We've raised 
$2,300 since Indisputable first posted the link. We can definitely do better than that. I encourage you, go to justice for Anthony Marquez Franklin when you get a moment. We have the rest of the video. I want you to think about the extremes these cops went through to hide what they did. Even by manipulating when the video came out so that you as an audience would not pay attention. But we do pay attention. We expect more to come after this reporting. We will bring you the updates as they develop. Odessa, the thoughts here. I'm not sure what more it's gonna take for people to realize the epidemic of police brutality and, and using lethal force in the United States. Reaching for your pockets is not a crime. Carrying a weapon also isn't supposed to be a crime in the United States. And Harry Daniels, the attorney, put it really well when he said, we can't have the police being judged during an executioner. What is the judicial system for? Law enforcement is supposed to apprehend people who are accused. And then we have due process of law to determine whether or not they've actually committed a crime. And then the punishment comes after that. And then you have folks still defending the police saying, well, you've got to comply. Where's the freedom in our country? If a police officer can stop you for no reason, and unless you do everything they say as they say it, they'll use lethal force. And even still, they'll use lethal force when you've absolutely done nothing wrong. That's why people run from the police is because they have killed people who don't even pose a threat to them. It's a survival response. Even the police know that what they do time and again by shooting unarmed black men, they know it's wrong because they try and hide it. They manipulate the release of the footage so that at times with the Tyree Nichols shooting in the media so people don't pay attention to what happened in Austin, they know it's wrong. We're going to need more people to realize that this is wrong because it can't keep happening like this. People aren't paying attention to it to the extent that's needed for, for laws to change and for us to change how we keep people safe and public in this country. Very well said. All right, a school official in Iowa, superintendent, does not know if you can say slavery was wrong. We have the video, here it is. Knowing that I should stick to the facts and knowing that to say slavery was wrong, that's not a fact, that's, that's a stance. Is it right. acceptable for me to teach students that slavery was wrong? I think it goes back to um, the part with critical race theory is that we can say this is what happened. And I and 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 again, you probably know more about it than I do, Greg. And I think that's maybe even my and Laura's both, is that we're this is all new stuff. But in my opinion, is here is what happened in our history. And we, we had people that, um, that were slaves within our, within our state. We're not supposed to say to them, how does that make you feel? We can't, or does that make you feel bad? We're, we're not to do that part of it. That, that um, is, to say is slavery wrong? I really need to delve into it to see, is that, is that part of what we can or cannot say? And I don't know that, Greg, because that's, I just don't have that. Um, so I need to know more on that side. Wow. Um, I'm sorry no, on that part. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I think with the five minutes running down, um, I, I understand the level of support I'll be provided from here on out. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you for meeting today. The teacher, Greg, was shocked. The superintendent of school is saying to an educator, basically, you can't say slavery was wrong. I said this many months ago, it was coming. Remember the Texas law, I highlighted right here on Indisputable, where the Texas law said, if you teach about the KKK, you cannot give deference in the teaching. Meaning you cannot give a moral or ethical conclusion. You cannot show one side to be right and the other side to be wrong. It's law, it was passed in Texas. Critical race theory is not taught in K through 12 education as everybody with common sense know. Critical race theory was the fictional boogeyman that they created in order to do what they really wanted to do. To control what teachers could teach about the true history of America, especially contextualized through racist activity. And it seems as if they are succeeding. You have an educated superintendent of school saying the dumbest ish we have ever heard on TV. I don't know if you can say it's wrong. Let's put up the picture of the teacher who recorded this so that we can know. Iowa teacher Greg Wickenkamp began reevaluating how he teaches eighth grade social studies in June of 2021. When a new Iowa law barred educators from teaching, and I quote, that the United States of America and the state of Iowa are fundamentally or systematically racist or sexist. The teacher, Wickenkamp, did not understand what this legislation, which he felt was vaguely worded, meant for his pedagogy. Could he use the youth addition of an indigenous peoples, history of the United States? Should he stay away from Jason Reynolds, Abram X, Kendi stamped racism, anti-racism, and you, especially as Kendi came under attack from conservative politicians. He's trying to get guidance. That fall, Mr. Wickenkamp repeatedly sought clarification from the Fairfield Community School District about what he could say in class, according to emails obtained by the Post. He sent detailed a list of what he was teaching and what he planned to teach and asked for formal approval, drawing little response. At the same time, Mr. Wickenkamp was fielding unhappy emails and social media posts from parents who disliked his enforcement of the district's masking policy and his use of Reynolds and Kendi's texts. A local politician even alleged that Mr. Wickenkamp was teaching children critical race theory, an academic framework that explores systemic racism in the United States and a term that has become conservatives catch all for instruction on race the way they view as politically motivated. Finally, on February 8th, 2022 at 4.05 PM, Mr. Wickenkamp scored that Zoom meeting with Superintendent Lori Knoll. He posed a question. He felt led the heart of critique of his curriculum. 
Knowing that I should stick to the fact and knowing that I say slavery was wrong. That's not a fact, that's a stance, Wickenkamp said. Is it acceptable for me to teach students that slavery was wrong? At the close of the year, Mr. Wickenkamp left the teaching profession, put up a picture of the superintendent who said she doesn't know. When contacted for comment, Superintendent Noel wrote in a statement, the district provided support to Greg with content through a neighboring school district social studies department head. What? She did not answer a question asking whether she thinks teachers should be permitted to tell children that slavery was wrong. At some point, you all have to stand up. You all have to stand up. You are allowing the miseducation of youth knowing good and damn well Children do not simply go to school for an academic education, but also for social context. We don't want to produce smart minds without helping them be good people. And if you don't teach them a moral or ethical code, especially in the context of our historical failures, you're bound to repeat them. Maybe that's the angle. Maybe conservatives who are pushing this misinformation, maybe they would like children to be what they used to be. This is continuing at a record pace. I never thought I would see this. I'm a former high school teacher myself. I never thought I would see anything like this. Teachers have to do the unthinkable. You're going to have to stand up in ways that may cost you. But you have a lot of people who are standing with you. All right, Ms. Burbank, thoughts? Yeah, I understand Iowa is not necessarily a travel destination in the United States. Uh, I've spent six months living there in Union County. I spent a lot of time. Iowa as a state fought with the Union Army and in Union County and all over southwestern Iowa where I was, you will see Confederate flags flying everywhere. And that's because people culturally identify with the Confederacy in Iowa, which is a really scary phenomenon considering they have a history of fighting with the Union Army. There's an individual decision being made there. It's not baked into their history or culture as a state. If you can't say slavery was wrong, can you say the Trail of Tears was wrong? Can you say World War II was wrong? Can they say the assassination of a, of a president was something that was wrong that happened throughout history? You're setting a precedent when you say you can't say slavery is wrong. But I'm sure if a teacher gives enough details about what happened in history, many students will come to their own conclusion unless they're from one of the households that I'm sure there are many don't believe slavery was wrong. Because why else would they say, well, I'm not sure if you can say that. Because there are many people, I'm sure, who have lobbied the school district and voiced their opinion that believe things on the other side. And that's precisely why they don't want to teach critical race theory. It's this kind of thinking that morals change over time, and they don't. People in power change, and it's yeah. the majority opinion in the United States. That's why it's the law of the land that slavery is wrong, it's illegal. And so this this perspective that morals change throughout history is not accurate. Power just shifts. And there are many people who are upset that it shifted in the other direction. And there are people who exist today who believe that slavery was wrong. And there are people who exist today who feel the opposite of that. And that in itself shows you that morals don't change over time. And in fact, slavery was wrong while it was happening in the United States. Very well said, we are in a society where we have decided to trade truth for comfort. We are trading truth for comfort 
And the only thing that can set us free is the truth itself. We got more on the other side, indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Good to be with you always. Let me read as many comments as I can. Greyhound Dragon says, how many times can someone admit to guilt and still not be prosecuted? Well, Trump obviously has the record so far. We shall see. Um, Bill's Dragon circles the wagon says, is slavery wrong? I don't know. Is a pig's ass pork? Does a bear ish in the woods? Is the sky blue? C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. We need to stop hiring scaredy cats as cops. Anyone that flinches at the smallest thing so easily should not be given a gun. Either that or too many cops have the officer tackleberry syndrome. Uh, Chris Frederick, thank you so much for being a supporter. Seven months, a member for seven months. We do not live in a country of laws. When the president tries to overthrow the government, fails, is allowed to run again and be free. Full stop. That's right. 100% right. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're your still friends. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What as stupid as you think I am, lady? I mean, you have a whole parking lot to park your vehicle, so. I didn't want to park. I was trying to get out. Yeah, I know. So you could get out and. No, nobody needs to run your mouth. Is your car all right or not? Uh, lose the attitude. Is your car all right? No, it's not. Oh, where's the damage? Uh, right here. Oh, it's a little dirt. Uh, it's not dirt, thank you. Oh, well, I didn't hit the side. Do you have insurance and your driver's you? license? Will you wait I'll, call, I'll go ahead and call Palm Bay PD. You go I'm, ahead. I'm videoing You're everything. Ignorant. I'm ignorant. There's a little. You have an entire parking lot. You backed into my vehicle. I asked you to park. And as I'm looking at the damage of my car, you about ran me over. There's some dirt. There's cameras everywhere. Sorry. Oh, well, good for you. You're such a smart ass, mouthy bitch. Uh, As we stand in a church parking lot. Well, you're the one that's, I just touched it. I'm walking from here, watching my vehicle move forward as you back into it. I didn't, come on, lady. Do you have insurance? I'm not gonna argue with you. Stop. He was telling you. As I'm walking over there. I'm an ass because you ran into my vehicle. Do you have Do you have car insurance and your driver's no, license? No, you're not getting it. Christian and Karenicity. Now, before today, ladies and gentlemen, we had no evidence of Karenicity inside of a First Baptist Church. However, today we have proven that Karenicity does not pause for the sake of God. All right, this happened in a church parking lot, the B word, um, crashing into another vehicle, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I know some cats, they live their particular lifestyle. But when it comes to church on Sunday, they put that aside to do that thing inside of that Sunday worship. Karenicity doesn't work that way. All right, uh, Ms. Burbank, thoughts here. Yeah, I guess Jesus just wasn't around to take the wheel that particular <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I mean, the swearing, the I'm not taking accountability. It's it's honestly not a very Christian thing to do to act like this. Yeah, it was um, you know, funny. Can we put the picture up full mask and we, you know, that's that's a church mother right there. Mm-hmm. Really upset about 
her lack of responsibility. All right, got something for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Okay, so I got more video, but will he A, be shot, B, have his rights violated, or C, fight the police and simply be apprehended? Which one do you think? Here it is. Why do you have a problem with that? You have a liquor bar in this airport. Listen, listen. I'm on Flight, not paying $2,000 to be on. Listen, why? There's no reason to arrest me. Turn around now. Why? Turn around. All right, come on. Let's go. Hey, chose C, you were correct. Let's put up the picture full mass here. Uh, now you will notice that this was a full contact combat against the police. Nobody said he's reaching for my gun. Nobody even pulled out a gun on him. They only pulled out a non-lethal device after attempting to utilize their training to de-escalate the situation, posing reasonable questions. Sir, have you been drinking? How much have you had? What's your name? All right, Ms. Burbank, I highlight this male Karen to show that police officers are well aware of how to actually utilize the training they were given. Given the circumstance, I gotta say, these cops were super professional. What are your thoughts? 
yeah, they de-escalated this and didn't have to use lethal force. It's, I don't know, was it a miracle uh, or does it just demonstrate the systemic racism in our policing system? I don't know, you be the judge, I think it's the latter. It's unfortunate that today, if you buy a flight, you have only a chance of getting on a plane, but it's not the fault of the desk agent. It's not the fault of anyone in the airport. It's not the fault of security. Uh, tasers and tequila are a bad mix and this male Karen here that was in Margaritaville, uh, I don't think it's gonna make it to his destination. Yeah, and you're gonna have to owe an extra 2000 plus to get out of jail. So that mm-hmm. didn't really work out for you, sir. Okay, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. I'm gonna read some of these comments. I'm somewhat pressed for time, cannot read them all, but I appreciate you. As always, Um, Scott Smith says, good religious folks on display here. Yeah, I wonder what the pastor thinks. Maybe the pastor's a Karen. All right. Uh, Her name, Albert Lopez says, her name is Karen Doubtfire. (laughs) That that is actually funny. (laughs) Very sad story, a cop who killed two children gets an unprecedented promotion likely because of a connection we're going to expose right now. Let's put up the picture, full mask, okay? Louisiana State Trooper, Caleb Reeves on the left, who was responsible for the deaths of two children in a car he crashed in 2020, is being transferred to the agency's intelligence division, highly coveted. This is a promotion, Reeves, is also the son of the former LSP superintendent, Kevin Reeves, together in the right photo. The victims of the double fatal crash that occurred in 2020 were 11 year old Anjean and 18 year old Kajing. They're both carry the last name or carry the last name Lindsay. They were in the back seat. When Officer Caleb Reeves hit them. Officer Reeves was driving a state police issued SUV. The WBRZ investigative unit received crash documents which indicated Officer Reeves had already been in three crashes since he started working at the state police. In addition to the deadly crash, records indicated an earlier accident was also considered Officer Reeves' fault. Documents reported witnesses saw Reeves driving at a high rate of speed without police emergency lights activated. Crash documents show there was no weather concern that evening and a forecast suggested it was a clear night. Officer Reeves was traveling 77 miles per hour in the five seconds before impacting the other vehicle. Data from the state SUV showed brakes were applied 2.5 seconds before impact. When the SUV collided with the back of the other vehicle, Reed's vehicle was traveling exactly 57 miles per hour. But despite the deadly crash, Officer Reeves colleagues at the state police think the transfer continues the good old boy network way of doing things and don't think it's a good look for the agency. 
State police called the transfer a lateral move and said Reeves would not receive a pay increase. However, troopers say the position is highly sought after and is looked at as a promotion. In 2017, lawmakers passed an exemption to Louisiana's ethics code, get this, to allow Reeves one damn cop who killed children to allow Reed's son to keep working as a state trooper despite the father's promotion to the top spot. Kevin Reeves resigned amid numerous controversies weeks after his son's last wreck. The elder Reeves resigned amid a cloud of controversy after Ronald Green died in state police custody May 2019. The WBRZ investigative unit uncovered Reeves had his phone sanitized, sanitized, clean, wiped, destroying of evidence during the state and federal investigation into Green's death. Father son duo here, that's what it is. Father son duo, they don't give a damn about serving the community. They give a damn about serving themselves. Who in the hell? Allows a cop with that many accidents on his record. At fault accidents, it was his fault. He ends up killing two children and getting a promotion afterward. You see, to the police, you may think somehow that this narrative about corrupt cop is out of control, that there are more good cops than bad cops. Please understand when an entire department makes a decision like this and no one in that department of rank is willing to go on the news and criticize their own damn department for this kind of insanity. This is why people, many people don't like the police. None of this makes sense. You can't do this kind of action at any job in America and expect to still be employed. But if you are the police, you can expect to not only be employed, but to get a promotion. Two people are dead, others are injured. This cop is out of control. And you gave him a promotion. Even other cops are questioning your move. Ms. Burbank, thoughts? It sounds like they had a wealth of evidence to show that he was, in fact, responsible for the death of these two people. But it's clear that they needed something on his phone. It was a part of the investigation. That's why they discovered it had been sanitized. If you're wiping a phone while you're undergoing an ongoing criminal investigation, uh, that's tampering with evidence, if I understand it correctly, right? And what happens? He gets promoted. So what was on the phone? Was he protecting other officers? Was there a group chat like many of the other ones we've seen? And what's the reward for taking a risk at potentially you being criminally prosecuted for tampering with evidence? Of course, we know that that didn't happen, but you get rewarded because guess what? You protected other officers, you do something wrong and there's a reward in the police in Louisiana. A good old boys club is the best description of what's gone down here. Yeah, and it is always one loser in that scenario, and that's the citizen. You're the loser here. The residents of that community lose every time. All right, we will bring you updates as they come. Exclusive, a student barred from being a cheerleader, but qualified. We're gonna bring you this story, LGBTQ student 
was rejected by the cheerleading team. We have audio, we have context, we have background. Let me first give you this, here it is. Um, you know, that's, that's very different because if the boys are gonna be graded on extra stunts, I mean, that's quite a bit of points. When the girls is based on motion, sharpness, rhythm, memory, and facials, and the boys is literally lifting a single girl by themselves, that's quite different. And, uh, one assisted, one unassisted. Yeah. If they can do two assisted and they're good at that, then that'll work. But they can show unassisted, which would be great to see because that shows potential. I agree. I agree. So that shows that, okay, well, we can take that and we can build on that. So I do agree. I do agree with that. It, it, if I had to interrupt real quick, and I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice, but um, I think mainly because in our eyes, when we talk about getting boys on the team, that's kind of be a big role for them is being their partner son, get helping the bigger sons. And so, they, you know, the girls have their 20 points with the dance, and then the boys will have their 20 points. But everything the else is because their role on the dance on the cheer team is is going to be it's going to be a little different in that area. So I, so I understand that, but um, you know I don't want to air a lot of dirty laundry out. But let's also be real that it's been very vocal that there were not boys are not wanted on this cheer team, and so I to yeah, I just don't think that sorry. boys have ever been on the team, so it is a little bit different. It is a little bit so different. That's something that we're all getting used to. Okay, let's put up the picture of the mother son duo now. Male cheerleaders are all over the country. The high school I went to, we had a remarkable male cheerleader named Mario. Mario ended up getting a scholarship for cheerleading to college. Mario's doing quite well with his life. A student in Shreveport, Louisiana was rejected from his high school's cheer squad last month for what he and his mother believe to be discrimination. What you just heard was a confrontation of one of the cheer squad coaches about why she says the rules are basically different. All right, this is Micah Chateau with his mother. Uh, you also see the picture of one of the cheer meets, okay? You know, high school should be a place of learning and also enjoying. Micah, was on the school pep squad, but claims the cheer team don't want boys on their team, despite having a 3.9 GPA and being called the most dedicated cheerleader by a coach, he was rejected. Here's what the mom, Tiffany, had to say. Bryant told him she didn't want boys on the team. She looked at him and said, I don't want prissy boys on the team. Micah is LGBTQ. When you say prissy, you know what that means. And she is a teacher. Instead of making it based on gender, she's telling the boys you need to have this collegiate level requirement. Here are the requirements from the cheer partner, Carol Bryant. In it, boys are required to excel at partner stunts. Okay, it's right there. Shadow alleges the cheer coach or partner, Carol Bryant, used a more difficult rubric to judge the boys in an attempt to keep them out of her program, which she says is a 
Title IX violation, and it is. In a recording shared with Indisputable, the, the airline principal, Justin James, told Tiffany he thinks it would be cool to have male cheerleaders, but says he could not reverse the cheer squad's decision. The quote, but you're not saying Micah wants to assume a female role as a cheerleader. You're saying he wants to try out as a male cheerleader and assume the role that all male cheerleaders. Here's the superintendent of the school district, Mitch Downey, okay? The buck stops with him, a representative of a representative of indisputable let us know the district was on spring break, but did not respond to our request for comment. Tiffany Shadow said, quote, since this happened, they also denied him trying out for dance line, but did not provide the scores. She is circulating a petition on change.org called allow boys to participate. On airline high school cheer team, the petition has about 7,000 plus signatures so far. That number may have increased significantly. All right, um, they're saying all of the wrong thing, right? They're making this about um, sexual orientation or being a member of the LGBTQ community. All of these are absolute violations of federal rules. Schools receive federal money because they adhere to a certain standard of non-discrimination. Once you engage in these discriminatory dynamics, federal government has the right to investigate your institution and to withdraw or completely suspend federal money that's allocated to your school. Why are your educators being so damn careless? Because remember, it won't just impact the one individual they think it is impacting, it will impact the entire school and by connection the entire district. So I ask, why are your educators being so damn careless? We will follow this story as it develops. We're looking for a different response. Ms. Burbank, thoughts? It's a extremely interesting case because it's a, a Title IX violation because they had different standards for you know men and women or males and females who are applying to be on the cheer squad and trying out. But then the comments about we can't have prissy boys, now you're getting into sexual orientation, both of which are grounds for a Title IX violation. And so the consequence being a withdrawal of federal funding puts states in this position of, okay, are we going to do without federal funding and have to raise state taxes to fund our schools because we want the right to discriminate on the grounds of sexual orientation? That's going to push us into the territory of now we're going to need a new amendment to the Constitution Mm -hmm. that is going to explicitly say you cannot discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. And with this Supreme Court, I don't see them ruling in that direction. So it's really scary times because I think there are many states that would say, you know what, we're gonna have a discrimination tax so we can fund our state schools so that we can discriminate on the grounds of someone being LGBTQ plus, and that's really scary. Yeah, we are in the legislative twilight zone, so to speak. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments. Thank you for always joining the conversation. Uh, Mo Ferry says, when are we going to learn that the terms good old boys and good Christian boys are not synonymous for good people? That's right, they're not. Um, And Tyler Hackner, uh, they don't feel they need to be held accountable. Uh, Talking about the cop who killed children and got a promotion. We're gonna try to hold them accountable here, all right. 
very sad situation. Went viral on social media. 15 year old child, autistic child beaten by the teenagers. Put up the picture, full mass, okay? So this teenager was called racial slurs. There's a 14 year old suspected of taking part in a vicious mob beating of a 15 year old autistic child in a Manhattan subway station. It was caught on video. Arrests have been made. The incident began when the teen who was black was accosted by a teenage girl who dragged him out of the subway car. When the teen tried to escape, the girl and at least two other male teens chased him down and continued to verbally harass him. With one repeatedly chanting the N word at him. The victim tried to escape onto another subway car, but was dragged off again by the girl, the video shows. One of his male pursuers threw a punch at the teen, leading to multiple teenagers sitting on the child and beating him. The teen suffered bruises to his face and body, his glasses were completely broken. The 14 year old suspect was taken into custody late Tuesday and was charged with misdemeanor assault, aggravated harassment and menacing. Police say they have identified all three teens who look who took part in the attack. All of the assailants appear to be Hispanic, according to the police. Let me say this. You all should be ashamed of what you have done. Now, you're young. You can overcome the mistakes of your youth. And I don't know who failed you. I don't know if it were your parents. I don't know if it's school. I don't know. I don't know if you have some corrupt leader that you look up to. But whoever it is, somebody has failed you. But more importantly, you failed yourself. Take this opportunity of punishment and criticism as a moment to pivot your life. Because there is no victory in beating up someone who absolutely is innocent, has nothing against you. And you should be in a position of protecting people like that, not harming them. Now, when you start to act and behave like your historic oppressor, you need to take a deep look in the mirror, figure out who the hell you are. All right, Ms. Burbank, thoughts? Yeah, it's sad that the kids were taught to exhibit this behavior. They had to learn this from someone or somewhere. But also, I know the New York City subway is a busy place. Where were the adults while this was happening? If you see teenagers beating on each other, let alone beating on a kid who is autistic, and you hear them spewing racial slurs at the kid, I mean, clearly you've got to intervene. And this is where we get into the space of what are the consequences of the degradation of community in our Mm. society? I mean, where I grew up, Parents, if they saw somebody else's kids doing something wrong, they would intervene, they would say something. If I saw kids messing around on the street, I would say something. But to see kids acting like this and think, oh, not my business, not my problem, that's that's really sad, honestly, yeah. that we've gotten to that point. 
Yeah, agreed. Always a pleasure, dear sister, to have you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Always a pleasure to be on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, TikTok, it's Cuburbank, and then on Substack as well at Cuburbank. All right, looking forward to the next time. All right, bullpen is next. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let me say this. A big thank you to every single one of you who continue to support this platform. Not only are we at roughly 160 million views a month because of you. We're still the fastest growing TV news show in America. And now we have over 1 million podcast downloads, making indisputable one of the top 5% in the top 5% of all podcasts in the country. That is because of you. There's nothing really special about me. But that's something significantly special about you. I appreciate you in advance for everything that you continue to do and all of the support you give this young brother from Glenwood. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. My name is Reverend Kiana Jones and I stand here before you as a member of the Faith Coalition to Stop Cop City. And I'm looking at each one of your faces and I really want to understand how it is that you asked people to vote for you and then ignored their voices. How it is that you feel okay with yourself lauding Abel Mabel, who had a lot to say about treating people right, who had a lot to say about the words of the Bible that many of you like to quote. Well, let me remind you of something. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So understand this, that the sins of the father will be visited on the children. It has happened time and again. So it may not happen to you, but what about your child? What about their children? What about their children's children's children? What will your legacy be? You so-called legacies of black misleadership sitting up here on this council. Let me tell you something, representation is not enough when you don't represent the people who elected you. We covered this just a few days ago, Reverend Kiana Jones, who spoke directly to the issue at hand as it relates to the city of Atlanta, continuing with the development of Cop City. As I said before, the winners, the developers, those are the winners. Everyone else, well, she is with the Faith Coalition to Stop Cop City. Reverend, good day, welcome to the bullpen, welcome to Indisputable. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Richie. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you and you and I have actually connected before. You've been on my radio program before. You are a trusted advocate and leader in the Atlanta community and beyond. You brought some things to the attention, not only of counsel, but the world at large that others did not consider. For example, in your speech, you said, I don't want Black Hawk helicopter flying over my local community. Your mother, grandmother is Mm -hmm. in that community and they don't want it in their community. Let's talk about the context. Why is Cop City such a bad idea in the city of Atlanta? 
I don't think people really understand the implications of Cop City here in Southeast Atlanta. And no, I don't want Black Hawk helicopters landing around the corner from my home, but Cop City would be complete with a landing pad for those helicopters because Cop City would be designed for officers to practice urban warfare. There would be a mock city there where they would have mock apartment buildings, homes, roadways. And yes, even that Black Hawk helicopter landing pad as well as bomb testing facilities. And what I don't think anybody took into consideration is that there is both an elementary school and a high school right in that area. Literally across the street from part of the land that would be Cop City is McNair Senior High School, formerly Walker High School. All of my uncles and aunts went there and graduated, many cousins, relatives, and friends. And then on the other side, you have the Barack Obama Elementary School. Think about it, fourth and fifth graders outside on the blacktop at PE, and all of a sudden they hear gunfire. What type of trauma is that? Teenagers, as they're outside at band practice, and we don't know what environments these teenagers are coming from, the things they might have seen. But honestly, watching the news is enough. When they hear gunfire, how are they going to feel? When those bombs are going off, teachers who are in those classrooms who may have had to endure trauma already from seeing the news coverage of school shootings and threats that have gone into our public schools, how much more do we want to damage the fragile psyches of our children? And that's just to begin with. Then when you go into into the environmental aspect, hmm, the South River watershed, Entrenchment Creek, Wilani People's Park, that area is vital to Southeast Atlanta. Let's not forget that less than a mile away, there are two landfills that were recently closed in Southeast DeKalb County. Southeast DeKalb County has been used as a tool of environmental racism for quite some time. This is where I grew up. This is what I came to know in Southeast DeKalb County, that there were landfills and people not doing right by the environment. And now we're being threatened with the same thing again. Here's what a lot of people don't know. The city of Atlanta is proposing to build this inside of another county called DeKalb County. I'm talking to the national audience. DeKalb County is not where the city of Atlanta is located. It's called annexation. So basically, the city of Atlanta owns property in another area outside of Fulton County. But it is affixed and called East Atlanta, all right? Ask Rich Homie Kwan. <laughs> so East Atlanta is the community. Now, when this was first proposed, dear sister, did council receive approval? From the community, I'm not talking about the city at large, I'm talking about the local community of East Atlanta. Absolutely not. There were numerous public meetings held, totaling over 17 hours of public comment, wherein community members came out repeatedly to say that they were not in favor of such a facility in East Atlanta. There are some people who would say, you know what, they can put it somewhere else. But by and large, the community is saying no. Why would you take away the largest urban forest in the southeast of this entire country? 
There is no other state in the Southeast that can boast the urban forest that we have, which is also commonly referred to as the lungs of Atlanta, because Atlanta is so congested at this point that we, despite the traffic that we have, we don't have the same level of air pollution as other cities like mm. LA that are just as congested because of the South River Forest, because of Wilani People's Park, because of Entrenchment Creek. And let's not diminish the value of the South River because without it, all of the sewage from North DeKalb County would be dumped right here in Southeast Atlanta. Again, where the environment has historically not served the people. I've spoken to elected officials in both DeKalb County and city of Atlanta. Many of them had told me off record, Reverend, that the previous administration did not do a good job at communicating with communities and getting mm -hmm. proper feedback. Now you have a new administration under Mayor Dickens. So while he may not have started it, he was definitely on the council when it got voted on and he's now the current mayor. So the buck still stops with him. Let me ask you this question. When it comes to what should have been done? If you were to go back in time and say, this is the way you all should have done it, what would your proclamation be? My proclamation to that council would have been to say, look, you have to take community input into consideration. Mm -hmm. And if you are talking about a project of this magnitude, it's not something that you do and sign off on overnight. I would have conducted community surveys. I would not only have conducted community surveys, I would have conducted land surveys. I would have done traffic studies to study the area in Southeast Atlanta where you're proposing to put this facility. I would have actually talked to the contractors who they have hired to put it all together and I would have said, hey, if we should go forward, are you willing to hire 33% of community members to work for you? Because I would have been thinking holistically about mm -hmm. the city that I serve. I also would have had very in-depth conversations with law enforcement agencies to understand the ask. Because if we're talking about training, training is not the issue. Training has been done and done and done again. Yeah. But black people are still disproportionately killed and mistreated by police. We are still overly surveilled. We are still targeted by police officers. So I don't know that training is the issue. I do believe that it is an issue of police culture. And further to that point, it's an issue of a system that unjustly assesses justice. It's an issue of a system wherein some people are held above the law and others are held stringently to it. So I don't know that training is what's needed here. And for that matter, if you wanted to do training, there are large tracts of lands in other places here in Georgia that you could have proposed this. But yeah. you came to Southeast Atlanta, which is very, very black, which has not been totally gripped by gentrification yet. And you said, we can put this right here so that those people stay right over here especially when they're able to move back into East Atlanta the way they want to in about 20 years, because we don't wanna make Buckhead upset because yeah. we need that Buckhead money. So because we're making Buckhead stay, we gotta make Buckhead comfortable and we have to keep those people right there where they are. You know, I proposed something to members of council. <clears throat> you know, since Buckhead likes police so much, why don't they just build this in Buckhead since they like the police so much? You know why? Because Buckhead, they don't want Black Hawk helicopters flying over their communities. They don't want children in their schools to hear gunshots during training. That is why, all right? So you said something so spot on, Reverend. It's not training, it's not policy. And I say often, 
Um, I say this to my college students a lot as well. Policy is what it is, but culture eats policy alive every day of the week. Your issue is a cultural issue, not a policy issue. At this point, you don't have many um, supporters left. Even though those that were somewhat supportive are now saying the cost is too high. You have one controversy already of a dead activist, environmentalist who was a pacifist. You have that. <laughs> now you also have the lack of uh, transparency from the police in reference to that. Then you have this $90 million bill that the taxpayers have to pay. Who is going to implement the contract? So where it is today, Reverend, what should the city do? Should they rip up this agreement, uh, anticipate the violation of contractual terms, start over? What should they do? Honestly, they could rip up this contract because they're already in violation of a lawsuit. <laughs> There's been a lawsuit filed for this illegal land swap. There was also a stop work order put in place and Dave Wilkinson was able to say we're gonna go ahead anyways and violate that stop work order. So honestly, for the city of Atlanta to void this contract would be no more egregious than what's already been done. And I want people to be very clear, people of Atlanta in particular, when you are looking at your council members, I'm talking about Jason Dozier. I'm talking about Antonio Lewis. I'm talking about Jason Winston. I'm talking about Mary Norwood. I'm talking about Andrea Boone. We're talking about Liliana Bakhtiari, who is the council member that represents that district. We're talking about Dustin Hillis and Matt Westmoreland, all of them on down the line. What I want you to understand, people of Atlanta, is that it is a lie that it's too late to rescind that lease. That is not the truth. The contract states clearly that members of the council, if they at some point don't agree, they can go back on what that agreement is. So Mayor Dickens, Antonio Lewis, the concerned black clergy with their farce of a press conference that they did this past Friday, they're lying to you. I encourage you to go and look at the original lease. If you want to do an open records request for the lease for Cop City, and you'll see what that language says. But I want you to stop allowing people to lie to you and just accepting it blindly. Yeah. They accepted something blindly and that's what got us into this position. People of Atlanta, we don't have to stand for that. And that is the reason why we're pushing so hard to stop Cop City. That's the reason why we have statewide support. We have national support and we have international support because there was so much that was done wrong in the leasing of this land. The very, very original deed for this land says that it's supposed to be for the people of DeKalb County in perpetuity. Because remember, this is land that used to be a prison farm, yep. originally taken from the Muscogee Creek people. So after you already had land confiscated the way colonial capitalism does from the Muscogee people, you then went and slapped us in the face again and turned it into a prison farm. And then when it was said that, you know what, DeKalb County now owns this property, this is for the people of DeKalb County. Let this be a people's park and DeKalb County even had plans to develop it further, right. but they never moved on it. Let this be for the people of DeKalb County in perpetuity. Now, you said, you know what? I'm the mayor of Atlanta and Atlanta got a mayor named Dre. 
And because that mayor and because Atlanta got a mayor by the name of Dre, I'm gonna go and do some dope stuff because that's what people named Dre do. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna make sure that this particular lease that we were looking at goes forward because we're gonna make sure that we give cops a playground. We're gonna give them a haven for repression. And oh, we can include the firefighters too. They, they can get a little piece. Yeah. But we're gonna make sure that all of the urban warfare we wanna do, we can practice it right here. We'll have the Israelis come and train us here. We will train outside law enforcement agencies here too, because then, hey, they can do what we're doing and repress their people even more, just like the city of Atlanta. Look at the model that we are. For those who are progressives on the Atlanta City Council, uh, let me say this to you. Uh, there are some defining moments in your political career, and this is going to be one of them. Make the right decision. Number two. If you rip this contract up in lieu of a better one, please understand the first contract was when we voted for you. That's a contractual obligation. We voted for you based on promises you submitted to us. Please understand the most sacred contract you have is the one that happened on election day. All right, Reverend, always a pleasure, dear sister. Thank you for your advocacy. For people, if they would like to follow you and check out your work, how can they do so? They can find me reluctantly on Twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> at kmichelle underscore ATL. Also on Instagram and TikTok, I am k.michelle underscore ATL. Facebook, just Kiana Jones. And then you can always Google me because there are things out there, I'm sure. But yes. definitely, definitely stay abreast of what's going on in your community. I want people to understand that they have the power, no matter what anybody says, the power is within them. And those who are in authority are beholden to us. Thank you, Reverend. We appreciate you. Remember, my pleasure. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. What do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm-hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's a racist policy, racist policy, Shelly, here's what I don't know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're going to get it, though.